Welcome back today for a great conversation with Jason Glasgow. Some of you may know him by his videos with Underground Media. Uh, before we get to it, though, I do want to thank a few people for keeping this podcast alive. This past weekend was Grid Life South down at Road Atlanta and got to hang out with Dream Tank Soap, one of the nicest guys out there and actually puts out a great product uh, on his website, 10Drift10, T-E-N-N-D-R-I-F-T-1-0. We'll get you 10% off on some. Uh, definitely encourage going to pick some up. Uh, and then also got to hang out with East 10 Drift. Uh, a bunch of guys out there were down uh, promoting for the Pro-Am and just all the other events that they do for the local drifters out here in Tennessee. Uh, with that in the bag, though, I do hope that uh, you guys are prepared for our chat with Jay. Here we go. And, you know, just find some some non-copyrighted some non-copyrighted music that not everyone uses and then just try and use that i mean i think that's what everyone on youtube does <laughs> and, and that's the problem is i'll end up coming up i'll finding i'll find something and then i'll be the next day i'll watch fucking hoonigans or something and they'll just have it playing on there i'll be pissed at myself oh yeah that i definitely feel that when it comes to like making videos i used to try and do the no whole I try to do. I try to do the no the the non copyrighted music and that kind of stuff. And realistically, it's just like I was like, my videos really don't get enough views to like spend to, that much time on it. Yeah, to spend that much time. Like, I'd rather just potentially get a copyright flag <laughs> than just <laughs> like I'll take the risk with the with the flag versus just you know trying to <laughs> try to finagle my way into a song that fits the exact song like like because when i when it comes to making a video for me it's like i already know what song that i want to use but trying to find a non-copyright yeah song that has the same sort of vibe and stuff like that with it uh, th that doesn't work oh dude 90 of the time i put forth i have to say it's quite literally the minimum effort when it goes to videos yeah. Um, cause I use GoPro quick because it's a phenomenally easy software to use for video editing. Holy shit. Uh, and then I recently found out that after you upload it to YouTube, you can cut out the last three seconds and get rid of the quick logo, but it otherwise doesn't yeah. let you get rid of. So I'm like, wait, this is just a win win. Okay. <laughs> so I get the super easy video mixing that is going to go ahead and edit my video to the beat of music. That is music. I don't have to pay any extra for Cause I already have like GoPro plus or whatever. Cause it's like five bucks a month. And it's like, Hey, do you want a warranty on your GoPro unlimited cloud storage and all these other like nice things that you will probably use deal. Okay. Then you just pay five bucks and we give them all to you. Done. Yeah. That's um, crazy. I didn't know about that service at all. Oh, dude. <laughs> like, and you can even use video that isn't from GoPros. Uh, and I think, oh, that's, yeah, it's, it's legit. So I'm like, I have my a seven. Uh, and it, if I take, as long as I'm shooting video in like all same resolution, you shouldn't be able to tell a different, you'll probably tell a difference because it is like a nice camera versus a GoPro, but it's mostly just because of, you know, it, I don't have any, uh, I can't think of the right of the word for the lenses, the fisheye lenses or anything. So you're going to be able to tell a GoPro versus anything else because of that whole fisheye effect. 
Yeah, for a long time, it was um, for me like GoPro stuff. I wasn't a huge fan of because it's like unless it was on something like a like a helmet or okay. you know or yeah or something that was like relatively stabilized. Like it just it just shakes. Oh, so dude, much. the new ones are so good. <laughs> I, I know. Like, I'm, I'm, whoever has a new one, I was like, where was this, like, you know, four years ago when I was filming? You know, because um, it just changed everything. My, as only, far as- my only GoPros are my 6 and my 7. Um, and the video I got of uh, Human's car in Memphis in January of it being on the hood and it's like it even like tilts perfectly with the damn gopro mount on like the suction mount on the hood like it just has like a very subtle swing as he's just cutting it and it looks so fucking good it, i'm just like i couldn't have done this that well if i tried yeah seriously it's i don't know what it is about the well the the stabilization in the new in the new one is just like that's what oh man yeah, that's everything that a GoPro needed for, to for me to like actually want to go buy one because some- people like sometimes the cage mounts and stuff like that. Like for some people, like they do a cage mount, but their car just like vibrates so <laughs> in such a way. Yeah, yeah, it vibrates in such a way that it just like makes it, it just shakes the shit. whole. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, like kind of didn't want to deal with that so it was just kind of like okay i'll just wait and so now that they have this like i kind of want to go buy one now i will say definitely owning the seven black it's worth it like it's so damn good um i wish i was a skinnier person so i could do a ride along and then do one of the facebook lives with the gopro camera because that's a thing now is i can just stream it directly to facebook live or i think youtube live maybe um and i'm just like wait so i can just be live broadcasting the video so i can have my gopro mounted to this guy's hood of his car while we're drifting and be live streaming it to facebook deal (laughs) i thought about trying to do that um with my phone uh i'll just mount the phone straight yeah like mount it to like the you know the windshield or something like that that would be sweet uh yeah, that would work, but the problem is like, like the stabilization. Well, not only that, it's just like I, I don't, for some like for some reason when it's absurdly hot outside, like my phone does not want to act right, like okay. ever. Yeah, it's like, and especially inside the car because the sun and if you have it like just off baking the windshield, it. yeah, dude, it just starts baking it, and it just doesn't even know what to do at that point, and sometimes I've even. I've gotten it so hot at one point that it's uh, that it's shut off. But I've I've definitely had that issues with phones in the past. I've been lucky with my most recent one that it hasn't shut off from heat. Yeah. But I've I think it's also of just experience of knowing okay, it's getting pretty damn hot. I need to stop doing whatever I'm doing. Um, well, yeah, there's that, <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, if it's too cold. My phone does the same thing. Oh, like, I haven't had that part. So I was filming a Clarksville event in the middle of February. Like it was dead winter. First event of the year. So it was uh, 70 this is in degrees because it's in Tennessee. No, no. It was like, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> dude, it was freezing out there. And 
I had my phone out there and I started out at like 85%. And within like 20 minutes of like filming or maybe 30 minutes of filming, it dropped down to like 20%. And then within like a couple minutes after that, I was down to like five. So that's rough. Yeah. I was like, what on earth is going on? So the only way I could really keep my phone alive was to use the USB hookup on the, uh, the Ronin. Yeah. And the USB hookup would then charge the, the phone as I'm filming and stuff like that. But that was a very weird experience. And anytime that like any weather extremes, the phone is just not, not having it. I'm surprised about the cold side of it. Cause I've had like, usually my best battery days are whenever it's cold out. Um, yes. Yeah, weird, man. So, so we just need it to be like 60 degrees year round and yeah. drift events every weekend. Got it. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, I would love to, I mean, when it comes to driving events, I think, um, it's a hard balance between wanting to drive the event and wanting to film the event. Cause I kind of want to do both, Yeah, but both hobbies both hobbies are absurdly expensive. Oh yeah, and they're all ways. <laughs> so there's a few times where it has been like, do you want a new camera or do you want these wheels? Like, which make the decision? And you know, I generally pick wheels like every time. But that's like, <laughs> But you know, it's in 2017. I tried doing driving and filming, and then my car blew up. So <laughs> it just kind of defaulted to filming. <laughs> Like, but you know, 2017 was also like the best like filming year for me because I had so many other events to do and so much spare time in my hands since my car had been blown up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, what do they say when a door closes, another one opens, or a window, or whatever? (laughs) I don't. It's interesting. Because I I see your channel and I see your pages and stuff like that. And I seriously, the content that you, that you come out with is legit. And I like all the places that you get to go. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. So like, cause I started off Korea right now, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, here I am like, you know, 7,000 miles away (laughs) and you know, (laughs) I love that 300 square miles that you keep going to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the cool thing to me was that, like, you know, I see a lot of the, the Clarksville stuff at first. Sure. And um, Clarksville is basically where I started for uh, filming and, you know, sometimes photography, but mostly mostly filming and stuff like that. And it just branched out more and more to, like, next thing you know, I was, I was going with Rob down to do the whole SDU thing and filming that. Nice. Then that led to filming at grid life. And then just like that whole thing, just like started basically at Clarksville. Yeah. So I definitely feel you on that one. Um, especially with my next three weeks, I think are going to be this weekend grid life. The following weekend, I want to say is, uh, overnight at Clarksville. And then the following weekend is LS fest. Oh yeah, LS Fest. I did that one too on uh, 2017. That was like 
LSFS East. And then I think the last event for that season for me was like rounded off with the uh, Tourismo Drift that happened in November. Nice. But that was also the same. That's the same Tourismo Drift where there was like a tornado warning. <laughs> oh, I've heard about started. this. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> like, the day started off like, okay, it's overcast. You know, this is cool. The rain was really holding up. Like, you know, it was until about, I want to say top eight, top eight. We, um, we're getting a little bit of rain and then a little bit of rain turned into a lot of rain. And then it just started raining so hard that like, like tents started blowing over, you know, like, it was it was bad. It was it was pretty bad, and we heard the siren and stuff, and we're just like, okay, well, maybe we should do something. So we parked under the little bridge, yeah, or that little overpass or whatever. Oh, uh, nice area where it could flood really easy. You know, you just you just do. You don't think <laughs> about it. You just do. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we parked under there. You know. It, because it was just so windy. And then once it kind of, you know, stopped, we came out, it was dark outside. Um, and the lights wouldn't come back on. So lights wouldn't come back on. Drift cars really don't have that great of lighting. No. And we all know at the fairgrounds, like it has that huge bank. So it's probably not the best idea to try and compete on that. Um, especially when it's like pitch black outside. Yeah. So that was like the, that was the last, that was the sort of last event that sort of rounded out the season. And I, I mean, I still had a great time and I still was like able to make a great video out of it, but it was, um, I mean, the whole season at that point had been so much fun. <laughs> I've been filming like every weekend. So For had sure. a place to go. Oh man. But, um, <laughs> Um, just hearing about that, I'm I'm now worried that drift events just have a a want to bring bad weather after St. Louis last year. I guess then that was the year before. Oh yeah, I remember that the St. Louis the last year. I was kind of curious to see if it was going to happen again this year, but it, um, it seemed like this year had pretty good weather out there. Thankfully, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, unfortunately though, Atlanta did not, it not wasn't so much. that bad. I mean, it didn't look that bad. Like I think that weekend I was, uh, that weekend I was in hell in Georgia at a, at a Volkswagen event, yeah. but <laughs> hey, it, was a, it was a good time. It's, it's so crazy. The Volkswagen thing. Cause like they take over an entire city, like, the whole city. I heard about just, that actually. Yeah, I've never experienced that before. So I went to I went to go do that, and um, on the way I was um, watching Pro Two, and the day before I was looking at uh, qualifying for Pro Two. And anytime that's raining at Road Atlanta, like the runs aren't as interesting. But you know, it depends I understand on the car. That. I don't know if it's like soaking out there. Like, I don't <laughs> I think or when it's patchy, when it's patchy, it's like really, it looks really sketch. I think when, I think, uh, it was Stratton's car that whenever it, he went, when it was raining, 
Like I've never seen a drift car spit as much fire as that Corvette did. And like, I've seen plenty of, you know, uh, anti turbo lag systems kick on and just start spitting fire. But Holy shit. That Corvette was letting out some fire in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super legit. I, I, that Corvette is so legit. dude. Oh dude. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't even know about, um, I didn't know about their, tr- their trend until I met Rob and he like showed me this whole, like this whole thing with the C6 Corvette. And I was like, <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> but Corvettes have actually come up in the past, like what, two, three years now. For sure. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't so wait for Matt first, Lynch like, to get his back up and running. Yeah. You know, honestly though, seriously, that would be, I remember him taking it to mid pond and I saw, you know, I think maybe a video or two. And then it blew up at mid pond. Yeah. I wonder what happened. Cause I mean, people say that mid pond's a car killer because <laughs> John blew up his car there. I blew up my car there technically. And so is Matt. Yeah. The, I don't know about that track cause I, I've now been there once. Um, I, I went there a couple months ago and it, you know, it's a cool technical little track, but it there's something I just really don't like about it in all honesty. And I don't know if it's just from a media perspective or what, but like media gets ridiculous free range there. Um, I, I, I was surprised by that, honestly, with how nice of a setup everyone, like everything seemed to have there. It's just like, just don't get killed. <laughs> okay. That's well, the same, like Clarksville mentality, like Clarksville mentality. Oh yeah. Without like, a yeah, doubt. Yeah, you shoot where shoot wherever, just don't get hit. Yeah, I mean, I it learned seems that. that no matter where you are, you can still potentially get hit. I.e., Terrell's Miata. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, Terrell's Miata wanted to kill me. Let's let's be clear. We we like I've come to terms with that. Um, I would love to find that Miata and smash it just to <laughs> get back at the the scare it tried to give me. Dude, um, I, I I looked at that picture the other day. <laughs> And I was like looking at where it was and I was like, you know what? Like, I think when Clarksville kind of first started, I think people were actually standing there. Well, like I've seen people, people sitting right near where I, I was standing that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure people like plopped some chairs down and just like sat there. And I was like, man, that could have been really bad, but they've since put know, cones down to try and prevent people from standing or sitting there or anything. Yeah, I mean, Clarksville has evolved like just a little bit since, um, at least since I started like going there. When I when I think when I first started going there, they were running the the layout that they've been doing. They've been running it backwards. That's when they, that's yeah, when I came. Around. And I've heard that. So I mean, I kind of like that layout um, just as much as the downhill, sometimes even more. But um, I can definitely see the benefit of running the downhill from an organization standpoint. Yeah, because. Because when they did it the other way, like the pits were right there and grid was right there. So it got pretty crowded. But if it's on the opposite side, it just kind of alleviates some of that. I also congestion. think it helps out any of the low power cars get speed up if they want to try and drift into that first that first turn. Um, definitely yeah. doesn't hurt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the downhill, 
the how the downhill is a little scary for me at first because before i even drove that layout um i was with my buddy uh, jordan clark and um i don't i can't remember exactly what happened but we came down that hill and um he you know that concrete block that sits in front of the generator yeah i think something i think something happened i can't remember and we hit that block head on and we hit it so hard that the wheel came through the floorboard and um i was almost yeah if i didn't like curl up you know what i'm saying in the seat i'm pretty sure i would have had like you know a busted ankle or busted something because so it's the one time you're not ashamed of taking the fetal position uh you know to be honest with you i'll, I'll take that <laughs> <laughs> i will take that i've you know because there's been a couple of times i've been in wrecks with other people but i have not wrecked my own car I mean, I've hit a tire wall, but it's not quite the same as like wrecking the car beyond repair. Yeah, yeah. So like, I got into a wreck. Um, I got into a wreck while riding with Marco on the way to Nashville <laughs> for him to pick up a seat. <laughs> yeah, like I've never wrecked my car, like personally, at least not yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there's always a possibility. However, yeah. I have always been in a car when someone wrecks and like, I was like, man, my bad luck. This is like the second time, like, you know, but, um, yeah, I got into a wreck. Marco and I got into a wreck with some random dude one night, the day before national super speedway. <laughs> and it was in his, um, his, his daily driver, his Honda civic. That was, um, that thing was ridiculous. Like, I think it needed a motor mounts. The paint was faded. It was, it was such an interesting car. It was a but, strong um, daily driver. Yeah. You know, that's all it was for. And we went to, we were going to go pick up a seat or something like that before national super speedway. And, um, we were driving, we had just gotten some shake, some steak and shake or whatever. And we're just Marco and I, when we get together, we just start just like geeking, like just laughing about random just random stuff for like almost no reason at all so we're sitting here just like having a good time like driving and there's this car that cuts across the two lanes to get into a waffle house and we just hit that car like pretty much straight on like and we're sitting here like we have food in our hands or whatever and drinks and all the stuff that we have in our hands just just flies into the dashboard no airbags went off, thankfully, but we hit this dude pretty, pretty hard. And the Honda is basically totaled after that. So Damn. that happened and it was just, it was just a, a bad time, but you know, essentially, um, whenever Marco and I are together, we're just like chilling. It's just a good time. And that was just one of the times where I happened to be in the car when we wrecked. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't think I've ever been in anyone else's car when it wrecked. I've had a buddy of mine be in my GTO whenever I had a tire come off. That was interesting. Mm. Um, tire went flat real quick and then decided to go jump into a field. I don't know. Oh my God. 
it just came off. <laughs> like I, I, I heard something that sounded a little bit weird, but I couldn't tell for sure where it was coming from. Steering still felt fine. And it ended up being a passenger side front tire come off. Um, yeah. and yeah, it just flew off and I just go to the side of the road and be like, well, fuck it. I guess I got to change out my, you got to put on the spare. It was probably the most calm I've ever been during a shitty point. Uh, and I'm in my car that I want to just take care of like a baby. I'm just like, well, I have a friend with me. I'm not going to freak out, but <laughs> I got to get this shit fixed. Got to stay calm. <laughs> yeah. I just lost a $200 tire to the field. Not going to go get it. <laughs> well, that reminds me of when, um, in 2017 in March, the, the event where my car actually blew up uh, with the RB20. Um, one of the maybe like third or fourth run out. Um, I'm driving the car. It's also my first day with WiseFab. Okay. And I'm also driving WiseFab with no power steering the entire day. Why? Uh, so there's a thing with the RB like power steering pump and how I broke it. <laughs> Cause I think what happened was I had like a leak in a line and I went to go try and fix it. And, uh, I didn't, so I ended up breaking it more. So, you know, this is also like, you know, still learning process here. <laughs> sure, sure. So why no power steering cars, freshly painted. Um, the only part is like, kit that i don't have is like the front bumper and stuff like that but i'm driving anyway it doesn't matter um one of these runs i come up and you know the last corner in nashville where they have um where you before you exit the course there's that stack of tires that sit there yeah so i kind of come in there and yeah i kind of float it and like don't stay on it and the car starts to like kind of float backwards and as i'm coming up i like smack the rear quarter on that tire wall and i was just like I was like, okay, well, that was uh, not good, but you know, I'm just gonna drive off and then, like, you know, get back in the pits. And I was just like, oh, well, I just got a you know a decent sized dent in the quarter panel. And I was like, oh well, like you know, I'll just push it out with like a football or something. Like, Fair I wasn't enough. too worried about it. I was like, because it didn't hit the tire, it didn't hit the tire, yeah. it didn't break anything. It just it was purely cosmetic. So I just kept going, but like. The initial thought for me when that happened was like to freak out, but like also it was just like, okay, well, let's just drive the car back to see how bad it really is. Cause yeah. when I started driving the car back, I didn't hear anything. So it was just kind of like, okay. Okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Never happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy because that the car is, it was never supposed to be a, drift car Aww, you know what i'm saying it was that's cute it was it was supposed <laughs> to be a street car like that was the idea when i first came to clarksville and i had just done the rb20 swap and like all this other jazz like it was cool like it was just supposed to be like a street car that you can drift that's like always been the idea of it but then like for a while it just like started morphing into like more drift car stuff more drift car stuff and they just started going down this Hill. It's like a buddy of mine. He still calls his S13. A st- he wants it to be a stock plus or whatever it is. 
Oh, OEM plus. OEM plus. <laughs> that's it. That's it. OEM plus. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, OEM plus drifting. Got it. It's a tough one. I mean, you can do it. It's just, um, you know, it's just kind of, in some ways, it limits you to, to certain events, right? Because oh, yeah. the current chassis, the current chassis that I have, I don't want to cage it. That's my first car that I bought on my own. And I've done so much stuff with this car, and I just don't want to put like a, you know, cage in it unless, unless it's like a top garage, like, Chris Ward cage because I know those cages are extremely tight. Gotcha. But if I had the option to pick up another S13 coupe specifically for like drifting and stuff like that, I just put a cage in that. I put my 1J in that. And then I would just, you know, put like an SR or, or a CA in, my, CA in my car and just let it be a street car. So your 240 currently has a 1J, right? Yeah. So after um, I, when I got it, Five years ago, um, they had 130,000 miles on the original single cam. It was an <laughs> original single cam, five speed, but it also came with the welded diff, already had coilovers, and already had all the ISR, like pro arms and stuff. Nice. So, like five years ago, I paid like 2,800 bucks for this thing, um, which could be considered a deal in today's market. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, since it already came with all that stuff, I was like, okay, well, this is kind of a good base. But to be honest with you, I wasn't even, when I originally was looking for a car to buy, the 240 wasn't it. Like the S13 was not it. Like I wasn't, I just happened to come across that and just did a little bit of like research on it and found out it was like rear wheel drive. I was like, oh, well, that's like a bonus. And I just (laughs) got it, you know? But I didn't know what an S13 was like really capable of. I just knew that it was a real drive Japanese car. And like, you know, it's it's boxy. You know, that's all I wanted. You know, something that was a cool little boxy, you know. Um But when I from day one, I was just like, I wasn't expecting to drift it and be like, oh yeah, I go to events and stuff like that. It was just kind of like, you know, this is just a cool street car that has XYZ motor. Sure. And it's clean, you know, or whatever. But um, it just kind of things developed over time as I put the car different places. Like I took my car to um, when I first moved to Clarksville. The first event that I went to that was not a drift event was it was just a meet. It was a BAM. It's called BAM. It happened every Friday. So I went to that. And then I ended up meeting um, Rob Blake, who is um, currently in New York. He was like, he was also um, military, and both of us like kind of talked about that. And then I just ended up meeting more people that were at there in Clarksville at the same time that also had S13s. So then I got introduced to like the groups, <laughs> like. I didn't know about Facebook groups and all that stuff. Anything that I bought at that point had been either from like in racing or, you know, wherever, whatever RB related parts, like, sure. So I got added to these groups and then, um, Marco posted up some, uh, some knuckles and I was going to go get them. So I went with uh, my buddy, Justin Seagraves to go get them. And that's how I ended up Marco. And I showed him like all the video stuff that I did. 
And that's kind of where I got invited to like the first Clarksville event. And after going to that, you can't show up to this event with a 240 and not want to go drive. <laughs> like it's just, it's just not possible. It's it's not. <laughs> if, if it was more expensive, you know, I could see how you could be turned away from it. But with Clarksville being what forty bucks. It was like forty dollars, dude. Like, <laughs> not even that, probably. I, I, even back then, I don't even know if it was thirty. It was so cheap to do it, and at the time, like, you know, it was just like, oh yeah, just go get some used tires and that kind of stuff. And like, I remember thinking back then, I was like, yeah, used tires are a great idea. But <laughs> you know, I think about that now. I'm like, man, that was a horrible idea. <laughs> that was dangerous. Yeah, like used tires are not a good idea. Like, you know, but I showed up there, you know, the car has been I I drove it. I I was in Korea before I came to Clarksville for a year again. Okay. So when I came back, RB twenty swap was done in like two weeks, basically. Damn. And it wasn't me who was doing all that work that you know, it was mainly this guy Jay Stillwell, who um He's a Honda guy, but he does work on like, you know, two forties and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, that's just kind of his thing. And he was helping me out. And he's like the only person that was like super, super like mechanically inclined that I knew. And I bought the car to learn about cars because I didn't, I didn't know Jack about cars to be honest with you, but oh, don't worry. I still don't. <laughs> you, you stick around with it long enough. Like you, you end up learning something, you know? But, um, so we did the RB 20 swap and then I drove it all the way from Virginia to Tennessee in a day. Like it took about 10 hours and it was about 600 miles, no AC in the middle of summer. <laughs> radio at least. Oh yeah. I had a radio. Okay, all my cars good. have radios. That's good. I will never have a car that does not have a radio and you a sub for some time. I, I say that forever. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see when right. you get your S13 shell that you decide to put a cage in and I'll put a, I'll put a sub in that. I'll put a sub in that. <laughs> Do not test me, Jeff. <laughs> you see, I'm swearing. You see like an it's like you see a, a, a 1J S13 pull up that has like three alternators powering a fucking full on system in the car. The alternator that's in my car right now barely has enough juice to like cover it. That's why you need barely. three. <laughs> no, I just need a, I just need a Mechman. I'm not, I just not willing to spend $400 on an alternator yet. I just have to convince myself that that's an okay financial thing to do. <laughs> I had a buddy that used to be into all that whole decibel drag racing thing. I think he had like a Chevy Astro van that ran like three or four alternators. Yeah, that's, that sounds <laughs> crazy <laughs> that is ridiculous Dude, it's unreal uh, but yeah i took that drive um it was about 10 hours and it you know the car made it so i was like all right well well we'll see what happens go Seems to this reliable. event yeah i mean and it was it was my daily driver for the longest time um until you started and, drifting it yeah you, yeah the reliability goes from about a hundred percent to about two percent when you start drifting the car. How like, weird! Yeah, I don't know. To me, there's some correlation there. Can't I couldn't figure it out. I'm not. Well, I, don't I, don't, I don't like your fake but, news over here. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so 
uh, I was drifting the car like that. This is exactly how it was, but I was also still trying to like build it. And um, I think one of the first things I was able to do was um, get like a proper set of wheels that fit properly and stuff. And, you know, at the time when I first bought it up, there was four lug, but I made it five lug, like, you know, just do really relatively basic stuff. And then I finally got it painted and all this other stuff. And, you know, that's when 2017 rolled around. And I was like, let's see, I did the February drift event. Then I did one in March. And then I did National Super Speedway in March. And the car, it didn't necessarily blow up per se. Oh, I might have pictures of you then from that event. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Um, but it didn't blow, the car up, didn't necessarily blow up. Yeah. Like it didn't necessarily blow up or say it just jumped time and RB 20s are interference. Ooh. So when it does that, it's just generally not that great for the valve train. Yeah. Um, it's not the best thing, but, um, I spent a long time trying to figure out what that was and like how I could get all over that because there's about a information that says like, Oh, RB 20s are the only ones that are, non-interference and then i was just kind of looking at it and eventually it was just i got to this point where it's like i could either spend six hundred dollars and put another rb20 in here and it will be still be like stock it'll still make like maybe 210 horsepower or i can try and do something that's better and it's a little bit more conducive towards what i want to do with the car ls swapping Jay-Z swapping. (laughs) (laughs) And bear in mind, like if, if I wanted a car like that was even more reliable than what the RB was, I would have just gone with an SR. But the thing is, I like the sound of a straight six. So I literally picked an RB. SR is reliable. I mean, if you, if you keep it stock, I've seen a lot of stock ones that, yeah, I've seen a lot of stock SRs. Like they last a, a really long time. I've heard a lot um, of floating head issues with SRs. Oh, that's I would say I, I haven't heard of those. I mean, the only like a, a few. If I did an SR, it'd have to be like one of the like an S15 or an S14 SR. Okay. Because it's got like you know just newer stuff. It's just newer. That's sure, that was sure. the idea. Um, I mean, keeping them stocked, I, I imagine that they're all not bad not bad at all for reliability or really the power you can still get decent power no no so yeah absolutely so i um that's why i picked the rb20 though mainly because of sound um which if you're gonna pick a straight six to put in your car don't pick an rb20 um Cause they don't make that much power and yeah. the aftermarket form is not that great. Um, the only redeeming factor for that motor is the fact that is a straight six. That's not it. <laughs> is there good aftermarket support in the States for any of the RB engines? There is mainly for 25 and 26, but okay. even then, like sometimes you have to go outside of the States to, you know, get cool stuff. Like, Sure. Mainly, like, I've noticed a lot of the, the cool stuff in, like, 
for RVs and stuff, it doesn't even come, it doesn't come from the States. It comes from Australia or it comes from okay. New Zealand or something like that. Like that's what I've noticed. But I believe it. The thing that I, the thing that I like about the Jay Z is that a lot of the stuff for the Jay Z is already here. Like, sure. you know, we had the two Jay Z, GTE and NGE. So when you get a one J, a lot of the stuff is transferable in a way. Did anything come with a one J here, or was it just the two J was here? Nothing came with the one J here. It's just the NA two J, a and the Turbo two J, VVTI yeah. and non VVTI. But I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna look at you know the the one J for for my car because. I've seen a couple of different people at this point that had stock one J's and they're awesome. Mainly VVTI one J's because they already come single turbo. So it's just like, you don't have to worry about taking the twins off and doing all this extra stuff. You just, it's already single turbo. Sure. And as an added benefit, um, Jay-Z's are non-interference valve train design. So that's cool. Some bad <laughs> memories there. Yeah, you know, I don't have to visit Vietnam anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you go to start your car, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I was kind of looking at that and it was like, you know, this, the 1J kind of makes sense. And this is also before people started getting smart about BBTI 1Js because when I got my 1J, um, I was able to get it relatively cheap, but now people want absurd amounts of money for stock BBTI 1Js because they know that they're better than the non-BBTI variant. Yeah. Like the VVTI one is just, it's newer. Like mine came out of like a 2000, a 2001, okay. 2001, like, uh, JZX100 or something. I don't know what, it, like, like it's specifically what car it came out. It's a chaser, Cresta, Mark II, okay. you know, yeah, it could have been any of those, but versus like the RB20 that came out of a 19, a 1990 Safiro, <laughs> like, that motor is almost what 30 years old now it's getting yeah. there and versus this, which is like 20 years old, you, you know, RB30. Granted, Oh no, that's, that's just too much. <laughs> that's too much work. <laughs> it's funny that I say the RB 30 is too much work, but if I like lose the bottom end on a one J, I will gladly jump to a three liter two J bottom end. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I've heard <laughs> a lot of people. What is it? The, one J or one and a half J is like the one J bottom end with a two J head. No, no. So it's a two J bottom end, two J bottom end and one J head. So it's the benefit of doing that is that if you have, if it's like my setup where you have a lot of stuff going on, on the the head where you, you know, you have like certain fuel rails, certain injectors, certain turbo manifold and all that other jazz. Uh, It benefits you to keep your one J head, especially if it's a VVTI one. Yeah. And then you can just throw it on a two J bottom and, and you get you the displacement. The, yeah. So it, it definitely, um, I know a lot of people that run that setup and it, and it works out really well for them. But a lot of times when people do one and a half J's, it's also because their one J bottom end let go for some reason, or they did something or whatever. But when you go to the two, then you go to the three liter bottom end. Yeah. You find it anywhere. 
So that's like just more benefits for me, like as far as going like Jay Z. So yeah, so that's why I ended up going with it was a Jay Z and the CVO nine thing had popped up, and um, I noticed a lot of people were running them. So I decided to go with that over like an all in fifty four or something like that. So do that, get the JC. Um, but when I get everything, I have to leave for like six months or seven months to go to New York. So that was all in like twenty eighteen. And um I wanted to rebuild the motor before I put it in the car. Yeah. So I reached out on Facebook and my buddy Curtis, who uh, builds Dustin Miles' motors. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he reached out to me and um, I ended up getting my motor down there. And uh, we just did a basically a stock rebuild. Just, you know, sure. fresh bearings fresh rings, fresh hone, you know, ARP head studs, you know, Tomei head gasket. Pretty much an overbuilt like, stock. Yeah, kind of, in a way, you know, you just, the idea was just to keep it stock because I knew that the motor would be good for like, you know, 450, like 500 horsepower. Yeah. But so there wasn't really any reason to put like forged anything in it, you know? Yeah. So we do all that and, um, I just get back. And at that point, I just have to focus on getting the transmission set up and getting the transmissions to the motor and then just getting everything in at that point and just prepping the chassis. So it was, um, I was doing all this at Rob's house. (laughs) So it went from outside to inside a garage. And then it was just kind of, all that was happening during the winter season. So, you know, it was way nicer to work on it in a garage with like a small heater yeah, <laughs> than trying to work on that thing outside when it's, you know, January. <laughs> Who doesn't like laying on the ground when it's 20 degrees? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I hate feeling my hands and what my <laughs> hands are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, hate it. No, I hate and but, my you know, be like no frostbite <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, that was like the that, that was definitely the benefit of um, of being in the garage. So you know, Rob was definitely a big help with that, and you know, letting me basically rebuild the car twice, and <laughs> yeah. in, in in his in his garage, but do that and. Um, at this point, I pulled the harness out and stuff, and I paint the engine bay, and I got all this stuff ready. And then it comes time for um, the first Nashville Super Speedway event for this year in March. Yeah. So there's a couple things with that. I don't have a trailer at that time. I just have my truck. Did you Did you drive uh, your car or someone else's car in January in Memphis? I... Okay, I, I, I borrowed Taylor's car in Memphis. That's right, that's right. Yeah, Taylor Haney's car. I borrowed her stock KAS13 with, uh, with some really knuckle. Nice purple paint job on it, I remember. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really it's a really nice car. Super stock, you know, like really a good seat time car. 
you know, absolutely a good seat time car. But um, at this point, yeah, when it comes to driving National Super Speedway, uh, I, the car doesn't have any sort of panels on it. It just has wheels and it runs and, you know, it's barely even tuned. You know, I've just been sending tunes back and forth with Forrest. But um, did you see Tommy Coldwater's car last year? Oh, when it was gray still? When it was missing a lot of body. It was missing a lot of body, but I was also there the day that, uh, I was there the day that Tommy was like, uh, what is it? It was at Lanier. And one of those like barrier things just basically ripped a hole, ripped a huge hole in his quarter panel. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that happens. Like, it's just like a plastic barrier. And you like, you know, they, they put it, um, the way they set the course is kind of like Maihan style okay. where there's like a big entry and it's like sort of a wall. So they, they put that there and of course, you know, he's going to tap it. Like that's inevitable. Yeah. Um, but the problem with Lanier is those barriers. If you tap, there's like, they string seven of them together. So if you hit number one, oh, number seven is going to come in and just, you know, smack the front yeah, end of your car. Yeah. And it doesn't, that doesn't do you any favors when you have to pay for them when they break. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I was, I see, I saw Tommy's car. He, he cut the quarter, cut the quarters out. (laughs) Yes. I have, I have pictures at Clarksville where you can see straight through. And whenever you said your car was missing body panels, that's all I could remember was just being able to take pictures of the other side of the landscape. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, so car had like no body panels. Um, it was barely ready to do to to run. Um, but I had bought my ticket to drive when there's like two available tickets left, and I was like, I'm going to drive my car at National Super Speedway. I don't care what it takes. So that's where the whole like cowabunga it is type deal came. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that came down where it's just like you know what you know fuck it i'm gonna drive my car there i'm gonna drive it there i'm gonna drive it at the track i'm gonna drive it home you know and uh it worked i mean it worked i was surprised the yeah. only real issue that i dealt with was that um i blew out a front left tire Ooh. i think that's just because yeah, I think that's just because of the way that my alignment was set up or lack there was, lack thereof alignment. Because, <laughs> you know, again, like, the car hasn't been on an alignment rack in, like, a year or two, and I've been changing out with Fab, this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's like... So it I just might not have been, like, quote-unquote, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, basically what, that's basically what I'm getting at, you know? But on top of that, Fab, like, even when it was somewhat aligned... It was still scary on the street. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> on the highway, like, you just move the wheel just the tiniest bit. And, like, you're, you know, you're all over the place. And you hit bumps. And, like, it just, it's just, it didn't, it wasn't fun on the street. And I was, like, after that event, I was kind of, like, you know what? Like, I probably should just turn down the whole suspension thing. Because. Yeah. Why well, that felt great in drift, but on the street it just felt horrible. So 
because I had to run it with a good bit of toe out sure. to, to get it to feel the way I wanted. But, you know, even then it was just like, is that even worth it? It was crazy sketchy. Yeah. But that event, I only blew out a tire. Okay. And Jake, thankfully, um, let me, I don't know if he let me a tire or a pair of tires. I can't remember. I just needed a set of tires to get home and, um, I ended up making it back. And, um, from there I knew exactly what I needed to do to fix the car because, you know, it kind of reveals that when you sure. do those things, <laughs> when you, you break things, you learn what's wrong. Otherwise it's just like, Hey, this doesn't feel right, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like, once I figured that out, I was like, okay, well I'll just continue to, to work on the car and stuff. And I was still driving it in the meantime for the most part, you know, cause I went to a Clarksville event, like maybe a week or two after that, just to, just to kind of fool around with it. Cause I still hadn't been like completely tuned yet. Sure. And, um, that, that Clarksville event was the week before the mid pond event that I was going to. And the day before the mid pond event that I was going to, that was the day I was supposed to go on the dyno and get like tuned and stuff <laughs> like that. Do everything correctly. You got it. Yeah. So, I mean, the car still looks like garbage. You know what I'm saying? Like there's still no fenders on it. At this point, it looks even more like garbage because I cut the fenders, the rears, so I can have the wheel clearance for my big wheels. Cause I had some smaller wheels that I made work for national super speedway, but I had bigger wheels to put on. And, um, I've gotten to the point where unless, unless you have sponsors, your car can look like garbage. It doesn't really matter. No one gives a shit. I, if you can drive, I don't it. know. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't know. I just don't like having my car look like garbage. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, like if it, if I could make it look better, I will. Yeah. You know, it's just but at the same at time, that you're, point. I didn't have. You're competing, or like you're getting seat time in a sport that literally beats the shit out of cars. Oh yeah. Oh, there's no doubt that the <laughs> drifting beats the ever living crap out of a car. But if your car can look awesome while you're doing it, then like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's go for that instead. You know, cause I mean, even from a, from a media perspective, like in, in my case, like I saw that the more cars that I was shooting that were well put together and looks nice, had good paint and stuff sure. like that those cars were getting a lot more attention on the page versus the cars that weren't like that. I, I see your point. I, I guess for me, well, you have the, it's another thing where you have the polar opposites that both work just as well. You can pull up with a oh, yeah. fresh rocket bunny S 14. Everything's super clean, has an interior that looks good. It has a, you know, a painted cage. Everything's just looking, you know, top tier. And then you pull up with a junkyard LS that's shooting fires out of the turbo from the hood and they're both going to get so many hits. Oh no. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy what people will, will like and what, what they won't like. Yeah. Um, especially on like Instagram and like that kind of stuff. Um, but it, honestly at this point, like now, like it's, 
I was at Mid Pond in February, and the funniest car that I saw out there was a bone stock '89 S13 that was like primer gray, still oh, had God. the still had the pig nose front bumper, stock suspension, like. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah, that thing was body rolling everywhere, and it was the funniest thing to watch ever. Like oh, it was picking up, dude. It body rolled so much that it picked up the the inside wheel sometimes like you could see it but <laughs> there was like a late 90s early early 2000s mustang at clarksville that was that way probably like three or four months ago uh yeah a green mustang that just the amount of body roll it, like the bottom of that car had to move like a foot on the turn you know like, like it was <laughs> it was unreal like if it didn't pick up the wheel i i'm shocked I feel like I had at least one picture where I saw a wheel up just because of body roll. Um, yeah. It wasn't smoking tires even like it. It was just like this ballet of disaster going on that this car was. And I hated it so much because it was just like, why is this car here? I get it. You know, if he's he's here, sure, but still. Yeah. He's there for the same reason everyone else is, you know, but you know that but that goes back to the thing that i was saying though like my car was not supposed to be a drift car that yeah. happens to go on the street it's a street car that's supposed to happen to drift like it's street car first drift car second sure. you know and 70 30 yeah you know and then on top of that i still want to take it to like shows and stuff that's the idea okay. i'd like to take it to shows you know and, and that's why it took the time to like paint the bay and take the time to or paid the extra to get this the motor valve covers like power coated and all this other stuff, yeah. you know, to make it look decent. So you pretty much um, want a fun car that'll catch people's eye. Yeah, you know, and it was um when I actually had the whole thing like fully dressed in together and I drove it at Memphis, uh Memphis International Raceway before um I left to go come back here. Um it did exactly that. I mean, it was, it was really, it was a really nice looking car. Like I, I love looking at it the way it was and knowing that it was a running driving car. Like that was like the most satisfying thing for me because I went from not even knowing how to change my wheels really without breaking a lug stud. <laughs> I went from that to doing a one J swap or putting my one J back in and having it running and driving within 48 hours. Damn. You know? Yeah. Because after um, that mid pond event where my motor blew up, I had to re—I had to redo everything again. Everything that I did last year, I had to do it again, but better now. Because you don't want it to happen again. Well, no, not even that. It's like okay, so the reason it blew up was just like there's some oil contamination from a certain part of the motor that is not in my control. It was because of a part that I got okay. sent to me. That was the wrong part. Oh, gotcha. So that's what ended up killing it. And the company that was responsible for it, they paid for basically half the price to rebuild it. So they, they owned up to it. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that. But as far as that goes, like the, what, the one thing that they could not pay for was the downtime that it took for it to be rebuilt a second time. Sure. You know, because, the first time it was like, okay, ARP, you know, head, head studs, 
you don't really have to do any extra machine work for that. But ARP mains, you have to, and for uh, ARP rods, you have to, as far as I know. So now the motor is ARP studded from top to bottom, and it's then fresh bearings, fresh, you know, everything else. And we'll see how it goes when I get back. But Memphis was the last event I was able to hit and the only event I was able to hit with it being freshly rebuilt. So that, that was a crazy weekend in and of itself because let's see. Um, I packed up my car with everything I need to install it on Sunday. I left for Knoxville on Tuesday. Um, I went to pick up my motor on that Wednesday. I uh, went to John's house okay, and I was hanging out with him, but um, I went and picked it up that Wednesday, got a decent bit of work done on the motor Wednesday night. Spent all Thursday. I didn't go home till 4 a.m. Spent all Thursday putting the motor in. And by, you know, really by 2 a.m., the car was running and driving under its own power. I just had an injector leak. So that was the only issue I had to fix. That's impressive. Before, So, yeah, yeah. I was, I was honestly impressed with myself that I was able to do that. And I was able to function the next day. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I take the car to Memphis, six hour drive. I know the injector is still leaking, but thankfully I have the, the the O-rings that I need and pop the O-ring in and you know, now it's, it's time to go. So I just start driving and, um, I honestly had a great time. Uh, and it took about three laps for my bumper to fly off, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's okay. It's all, yeah. it was okay. It really didn't fly off really just the mounts that hold it up just kind of bent and, um, gave up. They, they really did. That's really <laughs> what happened. Like, it's like the, that's like the best description I had. Like they were working and then they worked and you know, it, the bumper, the front of it was just like scraping the ground as I was driving back because the road that comes back to the pits for Memphis was like a little rough. So yeah. you just hear like, you know, as it just, oh God. You know, was like, so that was kind of like, okay, I should probably fix that, uh, but I'll, you know, I'll get to it. But other than that, I just had like a really fun time at Memphis and, yeah. you know, there's still, there's still tons of work to be done with the, with the car at that point. Cause, um, I need to get back to get retuned right now. It's just tuned at eight PSI, but I kind of want to take it to 14 just to see what happens. Sure. You know, you know, but are you running 85 it's, uh, or? the car is set up to run E85. Um, I have not run E85 in it yet though. Gotcha. So I'm still on the fence on whether I want to pursue that. Uh, cause it has a flex fuel sensor, so I could do either or, Okay. but, um, you know, there's just some, some stuff that comes along with the 85 that I'm not quite sure if I want to deal with it just yet. 
I think I might just like, I guess the big downside for you is if you're not around it for a few months, that's one of the biggest downsides for 85. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. So um, if I'm back in the States and it's like, okay, like, you know, I have chances to run 85, like a tank V85 and I can immediately replace that tank with like 93. And, yeah. 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 Like if, if I can do that, then I'll just, you know, I'll end up doing that. But for for that time being, I was completely fine with 93, Yeah, you know, and right now the car is just like, you know, it's, uh, it's in the, it's just cheap to run. Yeah. You know, because especially the, if, between, you're, if you're not roasting tires too much, it, you're using no, a no. fun car to go out and enjoy. And you're just yeah, paying dude, the a car vet makes fee and maybe 270 horsepower. Yeah, you're paying a vet fee and maybe one or two extra sets of tires, and you're set. Yeah, like at, right now at APSI, it makes 270 horsepower, which That's, is really not a lot of horsepower in comparison to most other guys that run Jay-Z's, but I didn't get a Jay-Z to make, you know, 500 horsepower. I got a Jay-Z because it's the inline six and it sounds cool. It, and that definitely, <laughs> I don't know why it is that V sixes sound so bad and inline sixes sound good. I've never, I, I think it comes down to like exhaust design and like choice yeah. exhaust choice. <laughs> I haven't found a V six. I like the sound of, um, well, it's here's here's something weird. I love the way uh, Tommy's car sounds with a VQ in it, but I don't fair. like the way VQ sound in 350Zs. <laughs> I, I have never been bothered by Tommy's car, but I've been bothered by so many 350Zs. It's 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 really weird. A 350Z, a, 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 a VQ and an S13 yeah. or something that isn't a 350Z sounds pretty good. Or, or but G35 sound just as bad as 350Zs. It's, I think it's, I really do think it just comes down to like exhaust choice yeah. for that one. It has to be. But, but, but so between the power thing, um, I might just chill at like 270 horsepower for a hot minute, you know? Yeah. I, you know, cause it's just, I ran 225s and I still have, a good bit of life left on the set that I had for Memphis. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah, it, you're not, you're not competing in a pro-am. You're just going out having fun and your engine's going to be crazy reliable at that level. Um, plus yeah. you're probably not going to be going so fast that you're going to be fucking up your suspension and everything else. So really you just have a car that you don't have like, in all hopes, you shouldn't have to worry about fixing it after each event. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of where I wanted to be at, you know, cause it's like when you start making like 400 horsepower, 450 horsepower, you know, up in that range, I, other things start to break just from yeah. making that amount of power. Like I've seen, you know, just like axles, diff stubs, like, you know, Sure. Just random stuff like that. And I'm sure that can get really annoying really quickly. But um Yeah. Between like me and um Dustin Schwartz, like the setup that we kind of have together, it's it's kind of uh it, 
it's it's working right now. You know, it's working really well. So, but it's it's funny though. When um, Dustin was putting his car together, he originally had an SR. And once I started doing the Jay Z stuff, I was just kind of like, dude, you should consider doing Jay Z if you don't like doing this SR stuff. <laughs> and then next thing you know, um, I'm in New York, and Dustin tells me he's like. Yeah, I'm going down to Atlanta to trade my SR for a one JZ. And I was like, no way, dude. So he he did it, traded his SR for one J with the CEO nine and had all the stuff aside from a good working harness in ECU. Okay. So he got that together. Um, his car was not painted at the time. And then he ended up painting the car, the same colors, you know, John's car, my car. And as a, I, I've been fooling with them and like jokingly saying like, yo, dude, you should buy my other set of Viennas <laughs> and my other, my other wheels. And he was like, nah, dude, like they're way too expensive, you know, whatever. And I was like, all right, that's fine. So I put tires on him, And while he was, gone um wait i just put him on his car <laughs> and next thing you know like that one clarksville event that he showed up to with everyone that was like painted stuff boom car looks just like mine <laughs> 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 and he's, he said that he's got he said he's buying the wheels for me i was like all right see and they look good on his car you know i i i like um uh, best salesman I like the ever look at the car <laughs> Well, you know, that's the one thing too. Like when I was building my car, um, one thing I've always wanted to do is like be a part of like a team or have somebody that's like another, another car that's similarly set up to mine where, you know, we can exchange parts and this, that, sure. and the other, and things will still work. So like, even when it came time when Dustin's first event happened, um, with the one J he blew out the slave cylinder um, I already knew what to do to fix that. So it was like, he didn't really have to do too much. Cause at that point, like I was already doing whatever it was that I had to do to like sort of fix that problem or alleviate it. Um, we had to make like a quick clutch stop, you know, but just like little stuff that I picked up from knowing that. Sure. And then there's stuff that he knows about my car and they're all the same setup. And, and so like same. Yeah. And it seems like often, I've noticed with uh, people that hang out in groups, like especially like people who drift and hang out in groups, they will adopt certain things from one another. And I feel like part of that is people having that knowledge and being able to share it instead of them having to go out and learn this entire new setup online or it really online because it's hard to just go up to random people hoping that they have a thing that you would like to try um, where you have friends that are like, Oh yeah, I'm already running this stuff. And do you want to know how to get this all set up and running? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it was interesting because a lot of the work that we did on Dustin's car when, when, when mine is down and that's the thing too, like when my car's down, and it's like, there's nothing I can do. I'll probably just go over to somebody else's place and try and help them work on whatever they're working on. Okay. Because I just like, you know, yeah, just like learning and like working on other, you know, just working on cars and stuff. Um, 
But when it came to Dustin's car and stuff like that, realistically, all we were working on was just like getting the motor in there, getting it running, getting wired up and that kind of stuff. And just making it a running car because having a car that sits and doesn't do anything for me, it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the entire like four months that my car was down. Yeah. I knew that as soon as I got the motor back, it'd be running again, but I'm just like sitting at, I'm just sitting there looking at it. And it's just like sad, <laughs> sad looking. It's just like, I see this void of my soul sitting over there. I don't like it. Dude, and when the car broke the first time, I didn't even want to look at the damn thing for the pack for like the first like three months. I didn't even want to look at it. The car is just a walking game of Thrones. Shame. Shame. Yeah, it is ridiculous. So oh, I was like, oh, we're going to work on this. And, you know, we ended up. Um, Dustin ended up wiring the car himself because we were dealing with some other wiring harness issue from the guy who made the harness. And Dustin was just like, you know what? Forget about it. I'm going to go get some stock harness and I'm going to make this work. Shit. Yeah. So we went up there and sure enough, like within 24 hours, we went from having a non running one JZ to a completely running one JZ. <laughs> like, like, like stock. <laughs> Are you guys running similar ECUs or? So he's running a stock ECU uh, and a stock wiring harness. I'm running a Haltech Elite 750 okay. with a wiring specialties harness. So he's going to go to um, to um, to an aftermarket ECU at some point. I don't know when. It all depends on what he wants to do. But right now, I'm pretty sure he's happy with whatever he's got going on. And me, you say the stock wiring harness. So what's the wiring harness out of that he's fitting up to it? Whatever you know? car that came with. So here's a funny thing too. The harness that he bought is the harness that I sold to <laughs> Jordan Clark. So talk about changing, you know, trading parts and exchanging parts with friends. He ends up with my old harness and my old ECU, my old stock <laughs> ECU. And that's, what's currently running his car. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, so it, it the stock ECU is awesome. And the stock wiring harness, like it's really easy to make a one JZ run without like doing too much of the wiring harness. Like literally it's just like a couple of wires. Like you probably need like four wires to make that thing run. We have throttle, ignition, spark. Let's do this. He's like, you, you turn on, you turn on the, his, his is so set up, set up so easily. Now you just one switch, give it fuel and then start it. And it's, and it starts within like the first, like two turns, like, nice. like stock. So, you know, it's, it's a really, reliable setup in that way but i ended up going with the haltech because when it comes to diagnosing problems with the stock ecu um i don't know what the hell i'm doing like to be honest are the are the stock ecus with those are they easy to flash or are they one of the ones that are more of a pain in the ass and just a nightmare to work with? nah yeah you know people don't flash those but the cool thing about those ecus is that like as long as you have knock sensors plugged up and math is plugged in, you can put a good bit of like extra boost and power and out of that configures. motor. I've seen, yeah, like I've seen people put as much as like 400 horsepower down on a stock ECU. Nice. Not necessarily what, 
yeah, it's not something I would want to do personally, but it is something that I've seen people do. I, but I, um, that's one of the lucky yeah. things I have with my project car is I doubt I'll ever have to worry about ECU stuff other than actually getting it tuned with it being an, o, an 04 GTO. It's just like, hey, it's a GM ECU. You can do whatever you want. With oh, it. yeah. They're just there's so much stuff good. you can do. Yeah, there's so much stuff you can do with the GM ECU. Like, uh, the HP tuner stuff is pretty legit. But, I keep hearing you know, I, that. I, it, it is. I mean, I prefer, like, so I, I talked to Forrest about a lot of stuff. And, you know, obviously, like, having something like uh, a Haltech or oh. even a, a Link ECU is you have a lot more features available. I've heard the Haltechs you know, are amazing to like, like you said, diagnose issues, just be able to tune the whole range of making it be able to do whatever you want to. Um, yeah. Is yours one of the ones I think it was one of the Haltechs I was hearing about with like swappable profiles. So you can straight up have like, okay, I just need to restart my car and it's in racing mode and it's already, it's, you know, redone my boost controller. It's done everything else. So I'm making 500 horse or I have, Oh, you don't have to do that. Oh shit. Yeah. You don't even, yeah. You don't have to do that. Literally they sell, um, I just need like an extra input or two to do this, but, um, they sell a panel that is just a switch. It's like one to like 12 or something like that. And you can set whatever you want on each one of the numbers on that switch. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, a lot of aftermarket ECUs, you have that option. Uh, but I went with Haltech mainly because um, Andrew DiMartino, he works for Haltech. And um, I've been talking to him for a hot minute. And um, he just led me towards the Elite 750, which just happens to be like perfect for my application because it has six injector outputs and six ignition outputs and a VVTI output. Oh, yeah. And it just all the stuff that I needed to, to control it. And, um, a, a Jay-Z's even then, best like, friend. yeah, honestly it was, it was great. Cause uh, I had a crank sensor go out on me and I wouldn't have known that it was the crank sensor so quickly unless I had the computer with me. Okay. Cause legitimately, like I tried to start the car and it just would not start. I could turn over, but it wouldn't start. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? So open up the computer try and start the start the car see that it's not you're not getting any sort of crank signal at all because the rpms aren't fluctuating when you're trying to start it and i was like okay so it's the crank sensor so go there new crank sensor boom starts up like nothing happened like it's that easy that's pretty awesome um, but you know if it was a stock ecu and that didn't happen and i didn't think to you know, go check the crank sensor. Like the first thing, I'm going to be like, "What?" You know, I'm going to be chasing that issue for maybe like a day or two. But you know, in that case, I figured out the issue in like 30 minutes. Yeah. And really, it's just 30 minutes because the computer that I'm running the Haltech software on is a dinosaur. So <laughs> <laughs> that's really the only reason it took that long. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just little things like that that make that drew me towards getting an aftermarket ECU versus running a stock one. But, uh, between Dustin and I set up. Yeah. They're, they're really, really similar. Like 
he just kept the stock turbo, but he's going to do like the high flow, I think, for mm-hmm. the from drift motion or whatever. And um, I took John's old turbo off his SR20 and put it on my setup with a top mount manifold. Is it just like a T3 turbo or? Yeah, it's a T3, T4. Uh, it's like a TO, TO4E. That's like the actual like okay. thing for it. And it's funny because when I talked to John about how much power he made off of it, and he said he made 410 horsepower. And I was like, oh, that sounds legit. But I looked at his Dynagraph and I was like, whoa, like this thing doesn't really kick into almost like 5,000 RPM, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like nothing, it's nothing, like, nothing. Boom. Dude, like it's just, I'm telling you, like SRs <laughs> with big turbos, like they're, they can be so much fun. I, I remember <laughs> riding in John's car when it was still SR. It was a fun car, but. Um, it's like VTEC. Yeah, like so, but on the Jay Z, that turbo is like perfect. Yeah, is literally perfect. So, you know, take that with it. You know, being well, that's the fun thing. Extra, whenever you get more displacement going oh, on, is you yeah. turn the turbo. It's just like oh, for this two liter or one point eight liter or whatever, this turbo kicks in at four or five grand. Then you throw it on to a three liter or two point five even, and it's just like the amount lower in RPM that you actually start getting boost changes yeah. so dramatically. Yeah. You take that and add the VVTI with it. And it's just yeah. like, I, I'm all in by like 3,200 RPM. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. <laughs> so it's, that's, that's one interesting thing about it. Um, but it's putting the car together with, you know, the first time and like trying to figure out all this stuff was, uh, it's just an experience really. That's all it was. It's like the best way I can describe it. Like, so I have to wonder, like, it seems like you got into drifting with the right car of getting an S 13. What got you into drifting? So, um, I know you did a lot of media stuff. I'm not, I wasn't sure if that just kind of followed through or what it was. So I've been watching a lot of drift related content on YouTube. Um, when I was in South Korea, cause when I first got my 240 before I left for that, um, like, okay, prime example. Here's a, here's exactly what happened. Okay. I, I got my 240, found out it was like an S13 or whatever. I go on YouTube and I type in S13 and, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> 240 SS. And the first video that pops up is the animal style, like, you know, oh, keep drifting fun video. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, you know what I'm saying? Mother and, you know, God. everyone see the animal style cars, like, you know. They're all livery, you know, big wheels, chrome, like all that stuff. I was like, that is fucking awesome. Like, who doesn't want to do that? You yeah. know, and there's shit, there's shredding in this parking lot and stuff like that. And, you know, Julian Jacobs had a 1JZ at the time. It was a 1JZ <laughs> S14. So Ryan now we know had where like, it all came from. That's why you well, yeah, wanted the JZ. Well, even then, Ryan Cotto had an RB20 in that car. So it was like, yeah, so I think copy. it's ironic. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, there's a guy that I followed 
when I was like in 242, there's like a, this dude named Calvin Molly who had an RB20. And I think he still does. But, you know, his RB20 was like, you know, his like clean engine bay. Like his was exactly what, it, what, what I was originally going to do. Where it's like, I don't drift the car. But it's got a clean, you know, swap, and it's like clean interior and all this stuff, and an awesome weekend. That's where, I was. yeah, like that was the idea of, uh, behind it. But as soon as I saw that, and then when I got to Clarksville, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, people actually do this, like on a weekend, <laughs> like you know, every this is weekend. Real life. Yeah, this is you know everything. Uh, everything up to that point was just internet. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's not like I had drift friends on the internet before I came to Clarksville, you know? So imagine getting thrown into that. And then, you know, that was like my first thing of grass. That's like my first like little taste of like grassroots. And I took my own car out there and I was like, Oh, well, you know, this is, this is cool. You know, but, um, uh, that year, that same year I went to Turismo drift and that was also at national fairgrounds. It was uh, the last round for them. Okay. And um, that was an interesting experience because that was like my first like pro-am level competition, you know, just watching it, you know. And even even from then, I wasn't like, I didn't want to be or do pro-am in a way because it just, there's a lot at stake. Yeah for not that much reward in my opinion like it's the guys that are doing program like that's awesome like i think it's great because you do remember Jake Elliott, you do he to. said he hates yeah, you yeah yeah i mean if he hates me like you know it's whatever no, no, no. <laughs> the, you're just hating on everyone that does program like Corey cooper or tyler berry or jake elliott you know those people that have been on my podcast yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> those guys. Okay. <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> no, but um, the guys that do program, like you know, that's legit. And the benefit of doing that is that you get to drive with people that, um, well, you would think uh, won't try and run you over with their car, but yeah. that also ends up happening in program. Yeah, reason. it does. Uh, but you know, you get the you get the, the experience of driving in all these different places with different people from you know essentially different regions because most of these guys that are running the program series they wouldn't come up for a regular east 10 event you know like the dudes that are coming from florida the dudes that come from like pennsylvania and stuff like that you wouldn't find them Novak, i don't know i think i want to say he's i have no clue where he's from i want to say that he's from drivers to come out here yeah i wanted to say he's from maybe like I thought he was from the southeast, but I see him in Texas. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of hard to hard <laughs> to tell. But you know, it's a lot of those guys like you don't you don't see you don't get to see that level of like driving skill at a grassroots event most of the time. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, prepare your car to run with these type of people, so you and you can see it in pro am sure the difference between people that are willing to write their car off to win yeah or potentially write their car off to win or you know driving like they have something to lose you know that's the difference that's that's the difference that you can see in pro am you know but 
the people that just have full send it mentality versus the conservative. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to win, but, uh, I don't want to sacrifice my car to do it. So, uh, good job on you for, uh, being willing to kill yourself. I mean, it's not even, not even that. It's just like <laughs> me, like, Oh, if my car is acting up or right, I'll just stop driving. Yeah. Boom. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't lose any points. I don't lose any, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if yeah. the car is broken at the event, all right, it's broken at the event. I'll just go home and yeah. I'll fix it. There's no actual, and I'll be back next month. There's no yeah. actual, like there's loss in that you have to fix your car, but there's no loss in, Oh, this is going to like next time I can't even make up for this. So I might as well not even go next month. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it, there's no, there's no points in the system. There's just, I got you. you know, you're just driving to drive and you know, program, even the event cost isn't cheap, oh, you know, cause sure. it, and I don't know what the cost is for, um, I don't know what the, know what the cost is for East 10 program. I just know that the season pass that they had available was not a price that I'd be willing to pay. <laughs> you know, I got you. like, you know, especially up front like that, but you know, it, it, either way, um, the program thing from the beginning, when I was looking at Turismo drift, it was just not something that had really interests me. However, I do love filming program <laughs> because the tandems are generally better. They're tighter. The cars are, you know, yeah. higher powered. And like, there are cars that Obviously, there are cars that I, I like more than other cars. Some Pro-Am cars I like more than other cars. So who is your favorite um, driver and car in Pro-Am? <laughs> my favorite car in Pro-Am right now from the East 10 circuit? Yeah. Um, I was going to say Philip Coe, but um, I don't think he's uh, – I don't think I saw him drive for this. I don't think I've seen him this year on at East 10. I don't know if he's – into ring a bell at the moment for me. Phillips got the Garage Moon Power S13. It originally had an RB25 in it, but I think it's got an SR20 now. Okay. And I think he built the R34 for Pro-Am, as far nice. as I know. Very nice. But I, I, I don't know. He's one of my favorite drivers, mainly because the car was just like, if I did Pro-Am, that's how I'd like to do it. I like to do it in a car that is low you know, big, big wheels looks awesome, you know, and it's just flashy. You know, that's the idea, you know, there's a driver but, that I saw at LS fest that just makes like rings out to me for, uh, if you know, Larry Smith. Oh yeah. So I know Larry <laughs> Smith for a hot minute, you know, cause uh, he bought, he bought Blake Olson's old car, uh, break Blake Olson's old program car that he got his license in. Okay. And, um, I've been following Blake's car on the internet for like, just like a minute. Cause it's just a car that I admired. And if there's an LS, like a prime example, if there was an LS powered car that I would have, it would look like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. That's the, I, that would be the whole idea. But, um, yeah. So as far as favorite program car goes, like most of the cars that are low and like, you know, look legit and um have like big flashy wheels and stuff like that's that's just my that's just what i like that's me personally um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you know i've seen examples of having a car like that and it working you know um justin miles is a prime example because in 2017 
I was, I ended up at the same events that Dustin was doing just, just randomly. Like, like, oh, uh, SDU round three was going on. He was at that final bout. He was there. Um, grid life. He was there. So, you know, it's just like, and then by the time that was happening, Turismo came along and I was like, oh yeah, dude, you coming up? And he's like, yeah, you're coming up. I'm like, oh, I word. So, nice. you know, so that was pretty chill, but it's, um, that, that Turismo or tornado drift as people call it. That's where I met Curtis, <laughs> the guy that builds his, uh, that's where I met Curtis, the guy that builds uh, his motor or K1 bill. And we just talked one J and I just asked him questions and just like, you know, so I can figure out what to expect because Dustin had been running a VV, a VVTI one J for 75% of the first season of Turismo. Okay. And then the last event is when he did the big turbo stuff. And, um, he kept that setup and he did all of SDU with that final bout with that grid life. Um, then Turismo again, then he went back the next year after he got his pro T pro two license and got his license again <laughs> at the shootout, <laughs> you know? So, so as far as like drivers that I know are like super capable, but also have really cool looking cars, miles is that dude. He's always been that dude. Like, you know, yeah. I just didn't know him for that long, you know? So that would be, that would be definitely one of my uh, favorite program drivers. Uh, and now pro two in this case, Garrett Denton's another one of my favorites in pro two right now. But, um, that's sweet. Yeah. Prime's just like such a different experience. Oh yeah. Than uh, your average grassroots event. And I think that's like, there's a lot of entertainment value in that, especially in comparison to a grassroots event. Cause you know, sometimes like I can see how a grassroots event can get a little boring. Like if you go to Clarksville every single month, like, and you see the same cars every single month, I can see how it can turn into like a routine almost and how people can get bored with that. Yeah. But, um, Perium really switched it up as far as like entertainment value as a spectator. Yeah. Cause I mean, the thing is with any like non-competition event, uh, just like any grassroots event, you're going to have cars to go out there and it's, you know, whether it's a guy's first or 10th time, there's going to be people out there that don't yet know how to drift and they're trying to learn. And that's why they're there is to try and learn. And if you're doing media or if you're spectating, it's just like, I guess I got five minutes of nothing for right now to do. And then, you know, you'll have the guys that are kind of in the more intermediate of, they know what they're doing, but frequently still make mistakes and everything. And yeah, yeah. program are the guys above that, that actually have cars that can go sideways and know what they're doing. Hopefully. I mean, you think, you think they, you can't say hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I mean, not every time, but <laughs> then you have people this, like this Jake been a couple of times. <laughs> this been a couple of times where I'd seen people, and they're driving and I'm like, 
this is this guy is insane. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but oh yeah, you know it's. Uh, I guess Brian is like a. It's a real interesting field too because you have to kind of set your car up for just about anything because yeah. you got a car. You got cars that are that are making like three hundred horsepower. You got guys that are making eight hundred horsepower. You know sometimes even more than that. So yeah. Granted, to also, you re- I was going to say, to, yeah, it's like to, he- to edit my statement from before, uh, not all non-competition events, because I was then thinking about Nashville Super Speedway in March, where there was like 50 drivers, and almost, and like, Taylor Hole was included in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hooman was in there, and you just have, <laughs> you, you had these just bitching ass cars out there. Um, that you had a lot of, you know, 600 plus horsepower cars out and an event that wasn't a competition. Oh yeah. When the, when the, when the pro two guys come out to test and even the program guys, when they come out to test, it takes the, like the value, like entertainment wise from the grassroots event and like, just like bumps it up a little bit, you know, because then you're looking at cars that, you know, are generally well built keyword generally. Um, <laughs> they're generally well built and the drivers drive them pretty well. And it makes her, you know, you know, they like to see the smoke. They like the sounds of V8s and all that jazz. And that's what people like to see, you know, yeah. and the close tandem and whatnot, you know, and that's not to say that you can't get that at a grassroots event. Um, it's just that sometimes when you're at an event like Clarksville per se, there might be a lot of beginners out there. Sure. And, yeah, and I mean, so. that's going to come with an event that has a lower entry fee because people don't mind going out there that yeah. don't know what they're doing. Where like, even like mid pond has a bit more of an expensive entry fee and you don't oh, see yeah, nearly as many people that are just going out there just for shits and giggles that have no idea what they're doing. Because I think it's like what 150 bucks or whatever just to go out to Mid Pond for a day. Yeah, it's like it's either that or you get like a discount code and it comes out to like pretty big, it's like a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so even at that point, you're looking at two almost three times the price of a Clarksville event. So it's like, do, yeah, do I go so. to Clarksville for a weekend or Mid Pond for a day? You know, and that's that's a that's true too. The price of Clarksville, when it comes to actually like driving it, it's kind of hard to dispute that. Um, but my only thing is like, there's other events. Like, prime example, the same the same year that I ran Clarksville at night for forty dollars, for sixty dollars, I drove Memphis International Raceway on Hangover Fest day. Yeah, and and Memphis. The Memphis track does seem pretty awesome, and that is a good price to be able to head out there. Yeah, like I don't recall paying anything over a hundred dollars for uh, Hangover Fest the first year that I went. That was in twenty. That was in twenty seventeen. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little bit more expensive now, but but still, you get two tracks. Yeah, for Hangover Fest, so that in and of itself for me was like already presented more value than you know just having the one track and. The two tracks are vastly different in as far as like the driving goes. Yeah, because the one's just is the one track just a huge sweeper or is there more to it? 
Yeah, so the I think they're North Course versus their Turismo Course. So the North Course, you start off with that huge straight and the big sweeper, and then you lead into the back half of the track where there's there's a section of uh, S turns or okay. M's as they call it, and then you um then you exit the course, and then you have the Turismo layout of course where it's like you start off like with um yeah you start off at the back of the drag strip or the the front half of the drag strip. And then you you do that whole essentially parking lot because so I think that's where they park all the drag rigs and stuff like that. Can't remember, oh but um, yeah, you that that whole spot is pretty legit. And then that leads into the section that starts uh, the Midnight Madness layout. Okay, and then is and that then before after, or after that, where the ambulance got hit. The section where Midnight <laughs> Madness starts out, yeah, that starts out after um, that starts out after the ambulance got hit. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, really interesting. I think I was talking to, I think I was talking to to, to John about that. Um, oh, dude, I, I was talking I went to, down there. to Derek Carter. I think his name is uh, right next to his car. That's like 30 feet away from that ambulance and right on that same path with nothing else between us. And and all I could think is I'm so glad that hit that ambulance instead of me. Dude, they still use that ambulance. It didn't hurt it. Like they, they just took the bumper off. Yeah. Yeah. They they did. My thing is they didn't even replace the bumper. That's that's (laughs) I love the guy getting out of the ambulance and just going over to the guy in the car and be like, are you okay? <laughs> that dude was probably asleep. <laughs> he was probably I, I asleep. He woke it up or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, I think this is so funny that the, that, that ambulance is still being used down there and they that, didn't have not replaced the bumper since. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, it, Hangover Fest is probably to me it's like one of the one of the best events in the southeast uh, because getting two tracks like that even at the price of like a hundred bucks is pretty legit you know and for sure driving it in a stock ka car was fun you know so I can only imagine how fun it would be in my own car you know yeah <laughs> actually having uh, horsepower yeah I mean but the cool thing about the ka car like Taylor's car if you just drive it absurdly fast, like you can, <laughs> you can if make, you're just you can reckless, make it it's fun. <laughs> like I remember on the, I remember going to the Turismo layout and trying to grab third gear after initiating uh, under the bridge. Like oh, I remember specifically trying to go out as far as possible and then trying to bring the cars close, you know, shoot the car back towards the wall. Um, and then, after getting to that and just transitioning in into third gear and it just didn't have the power, but <laughs> there's one time where, yeah, it, was, it tried. And it was one time I was going just fast enough where it kind of had the power and I just couldn't quite hold it together right there. But it was, it was really, it's a really fun time to, to do that. But I, I was borrowing Taylor's car because I hadn't driven in such a long time. I just wanted to make sure I didn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, it's like riding a bike. Like you'll never forget. But I was like, will you? (laughs) 
Like, like, I haven't had seat time in way too long. They keep saying seat time is really important. Oh shit! Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, and that's the thing. Like, I, I thought borrowing that car would be like a perfect, you know, test in a way because it's just like, okay, well, now I'm in something that makes less horsepower than what I had when I first started drifting, almost a hundred horsepower less than what I started with because I started drifting with the RB20, and okay. RB20 probably made like 210 horsepower. You know. So when it came time to drift Taylor's car, it was like, okay, well, hundred horsepower, gl- horsepower of glory. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I think her, I think hers probably makes like 102 horsepower, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's a little more peppy, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's definitely three digits. Let's be clear though. Has yeah, to at yeah. least be three digits. Yeah. I, but the car was, her car is like super, you know, it was really easy to borrow that car because all, you know, it was like, okay, well, if I pay for tires and entry, you know, like, I feel like that's somewhat of a fair trade there, you know, and I'll pay for, you know, the gas or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And, you know, thankfully she was like, you know, down to do it. And, um, yeah, she just, you know, just, I just went out there and just drove just, just had seat time. That's sweet. So, you know, and that's the thing too, when it comes to, um, driving my own car, even if it's not on the track, I still like just driving the car. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I definitely get that. Um, with my car, it's been, uh, in the garage for way too long now. Um, while I've been continuing to consider pulling the engine, but have had it in a not running state for probably like more than four months um and it's starting to hurt just not driving it around yeah because then you know because i have my truck as the daily and you know the truck is cool and all because it works you know (laughs) but (laughs) it doesn't look really cool (laughs) to be honest with you it's just a stock nissan titan you know so the car, like when it came to driving it, you know, it's just, it's just, it feels different when you're driving a car, especially one that you've put so much time and effort into and, yeah. and the process of building it, I've just learned so much. It's ridiculous. The amount of stuff that I've learned and oh, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, it just makes the whole experience better. Cause then you can just kind of share that knowledge with, uh, other people that are trying to do the same thing that you're doing, you know, cause I mean, the way I see it is like, there's not much that people are doing with two forties that haven't been done already. You just need to find the people that have done the thing that you're trying to do. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So having that and then Dustin also building his car to be the same way. And, you know, the goal is for us to all drive together. So now that, you know, all the battle tested cars are pretty much painted. Yeah, yeah, like that would be the point, you know. And it's even to the point now where uh, I plan on getting a new body kit for my car, and I'll just give Dustin my old body kit. Because, like, that body kit was, like, so cheap, and it's just, like, I don't know. It's, like, I don't know. I just... That's back when I didn't know about brands like Car Modify Wonder and brands like, you know, BN and all that stuff. I just knew I wanted a body kit. That's it, you know, but that's the plan is just get you, um, just revamp the car when I get back a little bit 
and just keep the 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 R and D as far as a streetcar, just keep that going. You know it's gonna end up being a full time drift car at some point, right? No, I don't think so. That thing's I'm actually finding I've actually been looking up ways to put AC back in it. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So I still have all the AC bits aside from the condenser and the dryer. You know, but I also have the I have the Jay Z compressor. You could look into a cool suit. <laughs> yeah, but the cool suit doesn't quite work for me. Um, you know, because I don't know where I'm going to put that if my sub's in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Back to your radio that you have to have. <laughs> oh, I ten out of ten have to have a radio. I'm not joking, man. <laughs> Oh, I am not joking, man. That's <laughs> I put a sub in my car before I put the motor in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta have something to listen to while you put in the motor, dude. Like I, even with the, I would die laughing if you have like fan. a battery hooked up to the radio and a sub in the car while you're doing an engine swap. It's just like battery. I wanted to do that, but that's also a bad idea because since I have a battery relocation, oh, yeah. um, there's just, there's just live wires, <laughs> like, you know, just running for things. So that doesn't quite work out. <laughs> that's fair. That's very, very fair. Yeah. Oh, man. So, but yeah, like uh, keeping the whole streetcar thing is like, that's like the, that'll always kind of be the goal because I never want to get to a point where I can't drive it on the street and, or yeah. I never want to get to a point where, I don't want to drive the car and the only time I really want to drive it is at the track or in, you know, or, or in some other s- circumstance. Like it's something that I want to, it's something that I want to drive almost on a daily basis. So how hard almost. is it with times like now with being away from it for months? Like, are, are you just craving having to getting to drive that car again or, um, to be honest with you, I'm looking into sim setups. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking into sim setups. I'm just saying that I, I play Gran Turismo Sport, and it yeah. looks like the new update's going to have an S13. I mean, it, it's either that or, or Forza or Seto Corsa or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of looking into that. I mean, even though I haven't really gotten too familiar with sims, because... Uh, like Dustin had a sim for a little bit and I was trying to drive with that. And that thing was a nightmare to try and drive with. Like, I don't know how he drives with it. Oh, dude, I like, love maybe mine. He just, I, I think it's just like, I think that's the thing. Like if you spend enough time with it, you know, you'll probably be able to get like into it and be used to it. I yeah. just probably didn't do that. But, and I have driving a sim, one, but it's still pretty good. Which one do you have? Uh, I have a Logitech G29 or 27. It's the newer okay. one that's made for PS4 and PC. And uh, oh, okay, and that well, that's the wheel, uh, pedals and gear shifter I have. And then I bought a separate um, seat and mount setup off Amazon. Yeah. Okay, so I was looking into I was looking at something like that, but more like a, I think the Thrustmaster stuff okay. was kind of where I was. And that stuff's super nice, but it's so expensive. Yeah, I was. I don't know how much I'm willing to like spend on that, but you know, I, if it's something that will be like that can help me um, 
become a, just a better driver in general, then, you know, I'd, I'd probably be willing to, to drop that, that coin yeah. on it. Um, I, I remember but, building up a kit with that stuff. And when, when I hit like $1,400, I'm just like, Nope. <laughs> That's, is, that, I, is that including the computer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it definitely wasn't. It did include oh, an e-brake. So it included oh. a handbrake at least. Which I don't have. Like, that's the only downside of my current setup is I have no handbrake. So I have to use the button on the controller to hit a handbrake. Oh, that is not fun at all. Because Dustin's setup was the same way, where it's like a button on the controller somewhere. That was the Yeah, so like on, on my steering wheel, I, I know with Gran Turismo, I have to hit circle in order to handbrake. Um, I've, I, I wonder if... Probably not. I've seen, like, people mod the the steering wheel stuff of the one i have of adding an actual extra switch and like buying an amazon hydro and hooking it up to the switch to work as an e-brake and it ends up essentially bypassing the circle button and still keeping like the pressure sensitivity of it and just getting to use like you know some cheap ass hydro with it yeah I- I think the, I think the thing that, um, I think the thing with the Sims is like, it just have to, I have to remember that I might spend this money on it, but as far as like maintaining it, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. That, that, that is incredibly true. Um, yes. There's there's a lot of one time cost, which is very different than a race car. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the race car has an illusion of one time cost. <laughs> uh, it's hey, let very me get few things. Coilovers. Yeah, it's like okay. I, the only thing that I'll say is like one time cost is like maybe maybe wheels because I was able to yeah. sell. I was able to sell my VSKFs and then get a 1J, and then I could sell my Viennas and end up with another set of nice wheels or something like that. And there's like the value, even like body kits. I've seen people not tear up body kits and sell them, so... Yeah, especially if it's like something nice, like um, like an actual BN or actual like Car Modify Wonder or something like that. Like, yeah. I, I see that. But, um, yeah, with the Sim stuff, it's just like, all of it's just single, like one cost. Like, just buy it once and that's it. And, you know, you just have, uh, once you, once you have that, it's, that's it. I've, I've also noticed though, that Dustin set up his car differently, um, because of the sim stuff, I think too, because his car, like my car, I like for it to have a lot of self steer. Yeah. And, you know, that's just kind of how I like to drive it. But Dustin, he kind of likes to have a little bit more hands-on with the wheel and stuff like that. Interesting. And the same thing is with Sims, too, I've noticed. Mine does pretty good with so. self-steer. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I might yeah. have to hit you up and, on some, like settings or something. <laughs> yeah. And I know like I can adjust the feedback on mine and everything to try and change it up some. And it, and it may change depending on the game that's being played and all that stuff, too. Um, yeah, like I mostly just use mine on PlayStation. Like I, I can hook it up to my PC because I, 
But uh, I'm trying to think if I still had any good racing games on PC. I have one of the one of the newer dirt games. I can't remember if it was Dirt Rally or what. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just a handful of other. Uh, I got Forza Horizon Four. Um, yeah, that's another good one. But it's super cartoony, so it feels weird trying to use the sim on it. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's um. I heard that too with uh like with I wouldn't Forza. be able to play Need for Speed with it or like actual Forza, I could probably play with it without an issue. Um Yeah, I was gonna say, because it's got the it's like less arcade, less arcade like yeah, like like Forza Forza seven is very actual race sim oriented game, like Gran Turismo is. Yeah, that um, would be ideal. Yeah. Like that that would I've, I think I had a trial for Forza Seven. Uh, I got to test out my uh, sim setup on my PC with, because um, I was I, I had like a GTX 1070, a six core i7, 16 gig of DDR4. Um, like I have a decent computer running, thankfully. But, yeah, I gotta probably get into that before I even uh, <laughs> go go get the sim. I would I mean, say let's go do. console. Part of me wanted to just do that too. I mean, this that's also uh, that's also a thought. Like if your PC uh, I, handles all your other PC needs, as, as much as well, like, I used to be super like, oh, you don't play games on PC, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you don't like graphics, like that kind of douchebag. But now I'm just like, <laughs> is it cheaper? Well, that's ironic. Fun? Cool. <laughs> No, yeah, that's ironic though because um, I've been when it comes to like editing video, photos, whatever it is, I've had the same MacBook Pro from 2012. Oh man, I'm sorry, dude. It is the greatest thing ever. But the screen resolution is so bad. I mean, the screen level resolution is bad, but I mean, I honestly don't notice it at all. Because I haven't looked at a new MacBook and been like, is yeah, this is fi- something that I want. the 15 or the 13? I have a 13. Man, yeah. I I actually have a mid-2012 MacBook Pro that I, I used for, uh, I use GarageBand on to edit my podcast. Um, yeah, so. It's like, thir- it's like 1366 by 720. I was just like. I don't I don't know what it is. I just know that I've edited every single video that has ever come through any of my pages on this computer. Looks through Final Cut. Good. <laughs> I mean, you know, so many people are surprised. There are so I, I, I honestly love to see the reaction that people get when I pull up to an event to go shoot it and I put my phone on a on a thousand dollar gimbal and go shoot. You know, <laughs> like that is that's an interesting thing too because that's like. Every oh, single man. video that I've shot has been on a phone. Oh, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, lo- looking at my equipment around the room, room, I just want to go cry now. So thanks. <laughs> Granted, my my photos look legit, so I'm I'm cool with that. Oh though. no, yeah, photos I, I, photos I, you have me all day. <laughs> I, do, I do shit video. Like I fully am aware that my video work is awful. <laughs> but my photos are like the one thing in life that I have an ego about. 
Like if you, if someone were to tell me that they think my photos are are hot garbage, I'd be like, "Well, what the fuck makes you a good person?" Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I mean, to be honest, like when it comes to like shooting shooting on a phone versus video wise, it's just like I only shot on it because that's all I had, and yeah. it's worked out for me because I mean, I mean, video on iPhone is like really solid, you know. Sure. You don't, you don't have to shoot in 4K. And it's not because I don't want to shoot in 4K. I just don't have the infrastructure to shoot in 4K. I get like, that. There is so much stuff that you need just to watch videos <laughs> in 4K. You know, like... Uh, like The, the next time video. you're in Tennessee, you gotta stop by my house and see the dumb, expensive shit I own. <laughs> Well, I mean, next time I'm in Tennessee, I'll just bring my my car with you so you can see all the dumb, expensive shit that I own. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I just bought I bought a new laptop that has a 4K display. I have my Sony A7 III that does 4K. I just got a fucking Ronin SC gimbal. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I, okay, we're gonna I, go to an event. I'll just hand you all my stuff, and you make a video with it. <laughs> oh my god! It's like here's all the lenses, here's the gimbal and everything it can do. <laughs> here's three Honestly, GoPros. The A seven three, the A seven three is what's like the most interesting piece of equipment to me. And all the Sony stuff is like the cool stuff, dude. That like, camera, anything that is I can shoot at night, you can shoot in pitch black with that thing, and you, you can still see. What? It's at least I have. Like, I, I, I have issues at the Clarksville night events with it. Like it starts getting that's weird. It, it, it gets too much noise in the damn pictures. Like there's too much. Like if I start having to crank up my ISO, it looks so bad. And I'm shooting at full aperture in like one fiftieth of a second. Wait, wait. Are you talking about shooting photos or video? Photo. Okay, video. Video is okay. different. That, okay. Yeah, because the A7 series of cameras for um, for Sony, like those things, even the first gen A7S, is still being sold today for almost. $800. Nice. When it, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I, I've looked at the, I look at the a series cameras and they all shoot so well video wise at, yeah. at night, you know? So, and I even have like, like I, I've invested so much into being able to do decent video work and I still am terrible at videos and part of it's editing and part of it's taking video. Um, so yeah. those two parts I'm bad at, which, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but those are the two most important parts. Yeah. Those are like those elements are, you need about 50% of one element and like 50% of the other, yeah. which comes out to about, you know, about a hundred percent. And I'm looking at about 10% total between the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause well, like, I, it, I even got the, um, road video mic pro plus or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like I, I have this whole fucking infrastructure to, I can do like a 4k fucking interview with somebody, um, wherever they wanted, apparently, even if it was pitch black and you would be able to hear (laughs) them beautifully. You could see them. It doesn't really like everything would turn out great except for I suck at it. You just gotta, just gotta go out there and just figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna th- you know, it's the cla- 
the classic conversation of gear versus like actual use. Um, that conversation is like applicable oh. in so many other ways, except for photos. Oh, so okay, that's fine. Yeah, I was talking about the rest over here. Hold on. What's up? Okay. God damn it. <laughs> I swear. What was that? I can never have just a weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, I got to get outside. Okay, dude. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is pretty legit. It's good calling you. It was um, fun. We'll have to have a part two yeah, sometime. Dude. Definitely, especially when I get back in the States. I'm down with it. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. You take it easy. You too, buddy. Bye.